It's the Sarah Rose story. My name's Glenn Klein. Sarah, what's your story? So today, by popular demand, the story is my husband. Oh, you broke <laughs> up. You broke up. You got to say it again. I broke up. Did I? Yes, with the, with the, with the key word. We cannot let that key word drop. Go back. <laughs> I'm, I'm already bossing your ass, and this is why I make you wet. So go back, start over. Your what, husband? My gay husband. How's That's that? Right. Was that better? Are you happy? Much better. Are you I'm, happy? I'm happy for now. I didn't get my right. spanking yet, but I'm happy for now. Like go on, continue. Five seconds. Well, I'm already getting wet, so. Uh. <laughs> So yeah, Glenn, Case Erickson, my gay husband, is here with us today. <laughs> the very first guest appearance on Ooh. the Sarah Rose story. So uh, yeah, you you must be pretty damn special to be invited here. <laughs> I am. I just pre came a little bit in honor of your in honor of your wetness. <laughs> Oh God! So yeah, the two of you have uh, met before and gotten to know each other a little bit as well. So let's have some fun today. I think that the folks uh, have an understanding that's that's how this uh, episode of <laughs> SRS is going to go. Uh, Case, why don't you uh, give the folks a little background about what you do, uh, the book that you just authored, and perhaps how you met the coach. So, yeah, to give us your story, because it's what the Sarah Rose story is about. It is about uh, our stories. And so let's hear yours. Mm, well, you know, I first met Sarah Rose, the Sarah Rose, at a, what I call a hippie woo-woo uh, event. Uh, I can't remember what it was. Uh, family. She just stood up and I was like, I got to know that bitch. And uh, went and chatted with her after. We just hit it off. We have so many things in common. And, you know, we both have this, you know, uh, overcoming religious trauma, religious upbringing meets sexual liberation, sexual freedom story. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's what a lot of the book that I wrote coming out by going in, The Freedom to Be Yourself, goes into all the, you know, narratives and constructs and things like that that we have against, you know, being ourselves and me being gay. I was married to a woman for 14 years. Went down that whole quote unquote good Southern Baptist boy, you know, the, the, you can't be gay. Those the, the gays definitely go to hell. And then, you know, the least you can do is find yourself a woman and, you know, make an honest woman of her. And, you know, so I did that basically um, made it about 14 years before coming out and that whole journey about eight years ago. And I think I met Sarah. Gosh, how long? I don't I have no concepts of time. Was it like four years ago or 12? Like, <laughs> like somewhere, it was probably, somewhere in there. Yeah, it was like seven. My my might have been seven or six or five. I don't know. Anyway, met Sarah along the along the way, and um, you know she and I just have a lot of similarities that you know we're, we're constantly kind of just checking in. And she's I, I frequently say she's like the female version of me. She says I'm like the gay male version of her. And uh, yeah, so we just kind of like swap stories. We take turns deciding who are we are we carry. Carrie or Samantha, we're definitely not Charlotte. No, Charlotte is off the table. There's no Charlotte at all going on with either of us. And it's pretty no much Miranda like either. No, 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 Miranda. Keep your Miranda and your Charlotte. We're like, we'd like to think that we're Carrie, but nine times out of ten, we're like paying homage. We're like building a, a Samantha a, a shrine 
to Samantha and, and be like, who's, who's channeling Samantha today? Like who, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. oh my God. I was just watching sex in the city last night. Actually. <laughs> Me too. Well, there you go. Uh, season three. I don't remember which uh, number of the episode, like episode seven or something like that. And it was called, are we sluts? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I almost made a post about it yesterday because I'm like, okay, in my hetero married days, because I watched it, I'm going back watching it now, being out, fully out and all that stuff. But I used to watch it with the wife when it first came out because I was married from like 98 to 2012-ish, I think. And so um, I was married through, through, you know, when it was on. And so like going back and watching it, like when I watched it. I thought I, w- I was, I thought I was Charlotte. Cause like I identified as Charlotte more than any, you know, through all the characters. And first of all, caveat, if any man is watching sex in the city and identifies with any of the, them females, they ain't straight. <laughs> Just sidebar. If you're like, so oh, with, I'm when I first, we never <laughs> talked about this, but when I first watched it, I identified as Charlotte also. Uh, of course you did. And so now, like, I watched it last night, and, like, Samantha is just... I'm sorry for the very beginning, so I'm only, like, three or four episodes in, and Samantha's, like, going around... It's the monogamous, where she's, like, fucking around on the uh, realtors and, like, fucking the realtor in the empty loft, and, you know, she's just, like, rolling her eyes at Charlotte's idea of, of monogamy and everything, and, like, she just can't... I can't even understand that Charlotte doesn't like blowjobs. <laughs> and like she's just disgusted at the fact that Charlotte is not obsessed with Dick, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm so Samantha. <laughs> I'm like, how did I ever think I was Charlotte? Like, Jesus Christ! Well, it just it, that it just shows that people can grow. Okay, so that's what that shows. People can be transformed. I yes. I I identify on Sex in the City with Big. Of course uh, you do. Yeah. In, in, in name only, but if you know what I'm saying. Uh-huh. That's funny. Yeah, Mr. Big. Yeah, yeah. he's a good one. He's a mm-hmm. good one. The myth of big. That's the next book, The Myth of Big. <laughs> Write that down. Yeah. We came oh, up with, we, we came up with uh, Sarah's next uh, program uh, title uh, on the last episode, uh, Fit Fucking. Fit, fit fucking. fucking. I was yeah. trying to remember what it was. I saw you. <laughs> I saw that you wrote it in the uh, the notes, and I couldn't remember. I was like, "What? Is, what was the name of my book?" <laughs> your yeah. your life uh, has taken an interesting turn, uh, or evolved uh, both in food and fitness. I mean, that's a huge part of of what you do and what you're about, isn't it, Case? Yeah. So, I mean, Sarah definitely influenced me indirectly. I think I'm, you know, predominantly plant-based now. And I think she's pretty much uh, predominantly plant-based as well, but just like taking on the role of nutrition and our overall well-being, our overall, you know, our sexual well-being is certainly tied to that. Um, You know, how we're treating our body and certainly with Tantra tantra and, and breath work and all that, like it's all, you can't really, you can't have one without the other. You know, you can't necessarily be you know, abusing your body in one area and then expect it to perform for you, uh, in a sexual area either. So it's very fascinating the the connections that, you know, diet, nutrition and fitness and and breath work and all that have with our sexual prowess, I'll call it. 
Oh, absolutely. Like, in the Man on Fire program, I don't preach to guys about diet at all. But it's just as you do this work and get to know yourself so much better and, like, really are noticing your body and feeling alive, you can't help but to want to just give it nutritious food, you know, and give it the food that makes you feel alive. You really are more in tune with how it all is functioning. So it definitely goes hand in hand. And it's not even something you have to force. It's more just like, oh, I actually don't want to eat that. I feel better when I eat this. Right. It's, right. A, it's, a, it's a natural outcome or an outflow of how people are thinking about themselves. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I've been vegetarian for 12 years now. And it's not something that I preach. Like, I'm definitely uh, not a uh, one of those, like, vegans is out there preaching the world. Everyone needs to be vegan or anything like that. Like, most of my followers don't even say I am vegan slash vegetarian. Uh, it just has been a part of my life for so long. And I, f- I just feel much healthier eating that way. At the beginning, you guys talked about, of course, jokingly, but also, I mean, there's a truth to it that your uh, case is, well, we can't say straight wife, but wife, and he's your, your gay husband, but that you guys realized how much alike you are to the point where you both identified with Charlotte in Sex and the City. How do you, you know, we, people often say that opposites attract. You, you guys are attracted through similarities. Opposites do attract, of course, but do you think that it might be, or how much do you think it might be a key in a potentially successful long-term relationship that people actually are more alike than they are different? Yeah, I was actually reading a study about this the other day, and unfortunately, I was in a hurry when I was reading it and skimmed it, so I can't give you the details on it. But basically, I need to go back and find it, but basically, there's like four different types of personalities, and two of are attracted to opposites and the other two are attracted more to people that are similar to them so you both are true it just depends on which personality type you tend to be so i'll have to go back and find that and maybe have some more information on it in the next podcast um but it was really fascinating it was the first time that i actually seen any type of study that showed like that there are actually, you know, some people that are more attracted to the opposites and then others that are more attracted to someone like themselves. I enjoy the the like-mindedness because it gives you more in common, right? And it's like you have more to talk about, more things to laugh about, more things to do with each other. So I'm probably, you know, fall into that category. Well, I, I, would, yeah. I would imagine Case does too because... To coin a phrase, this you guys are a case study right here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you guys have connected on such a high level, not because you're opposite, but because you're so much the same. How, Case, how is that translated in your romantic life? The, the, uh, the men that you date, are they have similar interests, or how, how does that go for you? Wait, do I have a romantic life or a sex life? <laughs> Can we, just, can we distinguish those? I was two trying to class it up here. You know, we keep, we keep it classy here on the story. So, so well, however you so want to define part, it. 
Yeah, for the most part, it's interesting when you were talking about this, what was coming up for me is like, yes, I'm like, oh, I like the similarities and like we're pinging off one another and you're into all the hippie woo woo shit and like you're into this and you're into that. I don't have this expectation that anybody that I'm with be exactly like me, but these core, you know, kind of core fundamental beliefs of who you are and what you're doing in the world is important to have those as, as similarities. Uh, but there's one, there, there've been a couple who, a couple guys in my, in my trail, um, who I just like, I absolutely just cannot stand yet. I find myself totally attracted to them. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like disgusted that I'm like, I'm, I, I like them for lack of better words. Cause I have nothing in common with them. And I'm just like, Oh, what a fucking, you know, bleh. uh, but I found myself attracted to them for whatever reason. So, I mean, I think that's just the level of dysfunction that I live with as part of my negative programming that's still there, that's still running, that says I have to have a little bit of drama in my life, that I'm constantly detoxing. Um, you know, and I, can't, I I tell Sarah, too, that I'm like, oh, it's, you know, the, she and I take turns in talking about the cruel joke that is, you know, uh, us. <laughs> and, like, us finding each other, but not being sexually compatible in any way, shape, or form. And, you know, like, okay, well, can, maybe we can, like, you know, have an old folks ashram and, you know, share men. And, you know, we always constantly joke around about, like, how we're going to, you know, how we're going to uh, grow old gracefully with our cosmic joke of a, of a marriage. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> So yeah. Till death do us part. You're stuck with me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Wait, pretty much. But how do you make her wet? Well, um, that might be a question for Sarah, actually. Sarah, how does Case make you moist? <laughs> Gross. <laughs> well, I mean, as previously talked about on the show, uh, by spanking me. <laughs> I do love a good spanking. Oh, he definitely uh, knows how to do that. And it is not graceful or gentle by any means. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It is not the way it's trained in BDSM that you should go about this. <laughs> no. But it works. It definitely works. I get insta-wet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so funny. I went to – you weren't at the party that I went to that uh, they took a cheese board – out like a wooden cheese board cheese paddle kind of thing and they were like oh i think we should and i just kind of started spanking and it, it became a thing like have you been spanked and will you take over the board and be like the honorary spanker and yeah there's just something i don't know if it's my father's marine dna that comes out and it's just like bend over bitches but like <laughs> they just met dude like the the men liked it too like i was just going after everybody i'm just like i don't give a fuck i don't care like everybody likes a little spit everyone likes a little swat little at least i have swat. it I, I have it that they like a little swat uh, well remember at my uh my wildcat birthday party and i had the spank oh, yeah. station yeah uh, it was really good you spanked me good in the spank station <laughs> spank station <laughs> In my little wildcat outfit. Yeah, there, yes. there was like you know there was the chocolate, the dessert station. There was the, the bar, and then there was the spank station. Exactly. You can't have a Sarah Rose party without a spank station. Case Erickson. What? There is was a there was a chocolate pool there, so there wasn't like a chocolate bar to like eat at, but you could go swimming in the chocolate. So yeah, that was pretty hot. Were, Everyone was like, "Were you able to, to drink or lick some of the chocolate off in the chocolate pool?" Well, you could, like, lick it off of somebody's neck or something if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fun. Case Erickson, what is the key in giving and receiving a good spanking? 
<laughs> um, I just think being playful, you know, like, I mean, it, it's like you can be rough and I feel like that's, that's what really the intention with a lot of the times I carry, like Sarah and I carry about us is just this playful energy and not being so significant. And, you know, even if, even if I'm rough about it, it's like, you still know deep down, I'm just playing around. Like I'm not out to actually harm you. So even if there's pain involved in like, even if it's rough, like, you know, I'm being playful because I'm like, oh yeah, I get it. Oh yeah. Like, it's just, I'm just like that. Like, I'm just playful about it. So I think that, I think that's what makes a good, a good spanking, you know, to give and receive. It's like, I'm being playful and rough. I'm like, yeah, sign me up. Make, make daddy proud. God rest his soul. Let's turn that bitch over in his grave. Oh shit. He don't have a grave because he donated his body to science. But anyway, make him proud wherever he is that his, you know, big gay son is playful and rough with a spank paddle. I, I think that that's what would make <laughs> make the Southern Baptist Marine preaching father proud is uh, <laughs> to be playful with your spankings. That's the key. <laughs> the, 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 I promise to, uh, to ask him about this in the afterlife. <laughs> Yes, we'll be in line. We'll be like, no, we're not going to get to God yet. I want to find my dad. Find out what he thinks about me. Spa oh, yeah, I'm sure he'll he's 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 right in line for sure. Can you, can you imagine? The, can you imagine the freakery? Yeah, we can. That's behind the scene in places like the uh, Bible Belt. In fact, you can trace in the United States. The Bible Belt absolutely mirrors the porn belt. They, we're, we're, mm. we're, yeah, religion, uh -huh. where conservative religion predominates, which is you know south of the Mason-Dixon line, primarily, that's where by far the most porn is viewed in this country. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what you gonna say? <laughs> the facts are the facts. Uh, yeah. And as opposed to you know, we did a whole episode on porn. If you guys haven't heard that, I think it was episode two of the Sarah Rose story. Uh, we're very pro-porn in the story, but what we are not in favor of is feeling guilty having had just watched and enjoying some pornography. That's the difference. Right. That's the difference is that they, they're, they're, they're watching porn on Saturday night to go to church and repent on Sunday so they can start the uh, fucked up cycle all over again. Yeah, and that, that's what's really shitty about the society that we live in is that people have so much guilt about sexuality and the way they enjoy it you know it's like why can't we just enjoy sex for being the pleasure that it is like there's there's a reason that sex feels good like we're biologically like programmed to feel good so let's just enjoy feeling good oh shit we feel good this must be really bad uh, <laughs> <laughs> this must be horrible i'm not allowed to feel good what, what uh, uh, of all the positive uh, statements that you've made uh in this budding podcast effort professor was that porn shaming is sex shaming Oh, it's absolutely. There's well, in the sex shaming comes up in so many ways, like in just cultures, traditions for thousands of years, you can find sex shaming. And, you know, people come up to me and say different things all the time about, oh, you know, 
this culture believed this or this culture believed that. And like, yeah, and at the root of it is sex shaming. (laughs) Just because, you know, it existed for the last 5,000 years doesn't mean that it's like, you know, the holy grail of truth. Like, you know, and I'm really not a fan of the whole no fap thing that's going on. I feel like there's a lot of sex shaming in that. Um, I have clients that me uh, that have you know kind of been on the extreme end of it and it's actually like impacts their sexuality in such a negative way um when they're like really abstaining from masturbation or sex in any capacity uh and there's actually um a study the study is done on women but i have no doubt that it translates to men as well but they've been able to show that women that don't have sex, sex being either oral, uh, intercourse, or um, masturbation, so it can be any type of sex, uh, and if they don't experience that or they don't experience it enough, they actually go into early onset menopause. And it's basically like use it or lose it. Nature is like, all right, well, this person is not needing their sexuality anymore, so we're going to shut it down. And it's easier to see that in a woman because menopause is such you know, a marked transition in her life. But for men, I'm hearing the same thing. It's like they're not using it for us to shut down. So um, I'm a big fan of use it. Use your dick as much as you can in mm. whatever way you can. Amen. Amen. <laughs> ironically. Have, have fun. Enjoy it. <laughs> ironically, the two questions that I have in the Ask Sarah, our Professor Sarah mailbag segment tie into exactly what you just said. Uh, so let's, uh, let's dive into the mailbag early, Professor. And uh, Case, feel free to fire away uh, with, with your insights. You're, we know you're a graduate student. Uh, at the University of Rose, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're, you're headed towards a professorship, I'm sure, a doctoral of Dick. Mm-hmm. A dick I, I just a, aspire a to be the apprentice. Any, anything that'll get me on my knees, Glenn, pretty much, the moral of the story. <laughs> All right, so Samuel from San Antonio writes, Dear Sarah, he goes, I feel the urge to jerk off at least five times a day, but I limit myself to just one I'm obsessed with it the rest of the day. Can you help me? Yeah, for sure. So, okay, there is that I teach guys tantric masturbation is exactly this. Like it's, um, I mean, any guy is going to tell you, like if they jerk off several times a day, then they start to feel tired. They start to feel depleted. And that's not something that, you know, is going to be productive in life. And so, With tantric masturbation or tantric sex, actually being very conscious in the masturbation practice and using the sexual energy to give you more power, give you more strength, more vitality. Guys in my Man on Fire program, you know, they talk about when um, they've had orgasms, how they feel lit up. And that's completely different than when guys feel drained, right? And so that's, you know, a big part, a big benefit of learning Tantra. So if a guy is just habitually masturbating five times a day, I don't really recommend that. I mean, hey, if it's working for you, then great, do it. It's your body, your life, like, 
don't feel down on yourself about it. If you're enjoying it, if it feels good, if it's working for you, do you. If you're feeling like, you know, physically there's some consequences to it, there's a way that might serve you better. Well, in this case, this guy was saying that he's limiting himself just to once a day, but then he's obsessed about the fact that he hasn't taken care of himself more than that for the rest of the day. So other than, obviously, the, the tantric pathway is the healthiest way to go about dealing with this, but in the short term, should he jerk off a second or third time and not be so obsessed about it? Or what, what do you think, Professor? Well, I mean, I think he just has to listen to his body, you know? Like, if he's wanting to jerk off five times a day and he feels good when he's doing that, then why not? I mean, the science shows the more a guy ejaculates, the healthier he is, the longer he's going to live, less likely it is to have prostate cancer. So I'm just saying, if you feel good, do it. You mentioned if you don't, that, don't. But I, I, wonder, <laughs> I wonder how much uh, his wanting to limit it has to do with at least the mindset that has weaved its way into the no fapping movement. There are people right now, Sarah, they have no idea what we're talking about. Why don't you explain that and talk, um, you already have talked a little bit about why you think that might be an ineffective approach, but what is it? What's, what's their concept, the no fap movement? Well, basically, it's, you know, they're all, I guess, was was it the month of November was like no sex, no masturbation for the whole month. And it's, I don't, I haven't looked into it deeply enough, honestly, but it's something about, you know, they, they're telling guys that it impacts their testosterone levels if they uh, ejaculate too much. So, I, I don't know. <laughs> That's the best I know. Well, no, it's, there, there, there's, a, have you heard of this case? This this movement to get guys to uh, I had I mean, it, it's a big movement. Yeah, it's big. I hadn't heard. I had been a while. I I, I hadn't heard of the. Uh, she it it you triggered that like oh yeah that's out there like I I didn't know it was still a thing. I personally have done that. I think it was probably about four or five years ago. Um, I went on a forty day like no sex of any kind fast, and I like to do those practices just to get me in the space of okay, I'm not. I'm not that which responds to my cravings, whether that's food. I've done different food fasts, different chemical fasts, different alcohol, caffeine, sugar. You know, so I've done all the things just to kind of get me more into this practice of I'm not any of my cravings. And at the same time, it's like it's it's just a practice for me. Like I don't I think if we're on the, the extreme of avoiding anything, you know, that that can that can lend itself to like what this guy is like his obsession and a lot, of, a lot of our times, it's like our body signal is hunger because, you know, it signals these hunger cravings because it wants food. We feed the body. Like, we're in a dance with our body, and our body speaks to us and what it needs. So, you know, it might depend on if this guy, like, how quickly can he come? You know, is he, like, in and out in 30 seconds and five times isn't really going to disrupt his day? Or, you know, if just getting himself off is going to disrupt his mental energy um, more, less, less than like the, the obsession over it. So like every, every case is different. I think, uh, for sure. Just like what Sarah said, like, if it's good, do it. If it's not, if it's not, don't, you know, and it might just be like that the obsession is doing him more harm than just going off and polishing his knob five times a day. You know, I have no idea what his schedule is, you know, there's lots of factors involved. Um, but I, I think right, that, like you I know, have- it, 
it might be a good practice to take it on if someone feels compelled to take on any kind of fast, you know, food, diet, it doesn't matter. But at the same time, like, I think it's kind of unhealthy to like what Sarah said, like you're just cutting it out. Like we're sexual beings. Like why cut it out of your life entirely? Like I totally, I don't understand that at all. Like it feels good. Like what? Like, I'm not going to do that. Why? I don't get it. Right. It's like, there's something wrong with feeling good. And there's so much of that guilt mentality of, oh, there must be something wrong with me. I must be a sex addict. You know, there's, right. there's all this programming that we have around why we should not have sexual pleasure. <laughs> it's like, fuck that, you know, right. and it, but it's at the same time, if it is impacting your life in a negative way, then look at it and change the situation. But if it's not, enjoy yourself. I think one of the arguments that they make is that take the sexual energy that goes into masturbating and withholding that from it, uh, coming out of you and releasing your energy and take that and focus it in on your fitness regimen or your profession. And this is how you overcome in these other areas. You take your sexual energy that's being wasted in their opinion in a lot of ways, just re uh, relieving yourself of sexual tension. And it could be being used uh, to make money and to get in shape and shit like that. Absolutely. And that is, that is tantric philosophy, but in tantric in Indian tantric philosophy, yogic, not the Taoist version, but in yogic tantra, it is, you can, you can do that and still ejaculate. Like you can utilize your sexual energy. You can use it to nourish your body. You can use it to empower yourself and still ejaculate. So that's why I teach Tantra to guys so they can do both. So they can be really empowered in their sexuality so they can use it to fuel their life. I mean, my sexuality is my fuel for my life. Amen, sister. I mean, professor. <laughs> our, our, our next question comes from Nolan from Tampa, Florida, not too far from uh, this quality studio that I reside in. Uh, he, he says, Professor, see, they're catching on, Professor. Professor Sarah, could you, <laughs> could you please explain how menstrual cycles affect female sexuality? Uh, well, I mean, as far as like, oh, I'm sorry, menstrual cycles. I was thinking menopause because that's what I was talking about a minute ago. Um, okay, so. Well, they're, yeah, they're, they're tied together for sure. Right. Um, so the menstrual cycle, typically when a woman is ovulating, she's going to be hornier, she's going to be wetter, um, she's, you know, that's the time of the month that she's able to get pregnant, and so her body is giving her signals that she wants to have sex, uh, and then when she is menstruating, bleeding, um, she may be, uh, it depends on the woman, some women are still very horny during that time um but she may not want to have sex she may not feel as well um you know so it just depends on her body uh but definitely at the time of the month where she's ovulating is when she's often going to be the most turned on how about the effect of premenstrual uh syndrome uh how should guys approach their women that uh, struggle with pms um 
I like to tell the guys that I'm with to fuck the bitch out of me during that time of the month. (laughs) (laughs) There was actually one dude I told him, I was like, I am so mad at everything right now. I have, you know, horrible PMS. I'm just raging bitch right now. I need you to come over and fuck the bitch out of me. And this guy, uh, definitely a tantrika and (laughs) he called upon Shiva, Lord Shiva saying, I know that I do not have the capacity to do this on my own and I need your help. And he was planning on coming over, uh, the next day because I uh, couldn't see him that night. And I ended up bleeding starting my cycle that night and so when he arrived i was fine which was gone and he was like wow thank you shiva (laughs) that's funny yeah (laughs) so fuck the bitch out of her or or pray to shiva what what if the the (laughs) girl yeah exactly what what if the girlfriend or the um the wife of the person uh is not as well humored as the professor and w- and, and, and w- would be offended that to be even discussed to, to fuck the bitch out of her <laughs> and, and yet she needs to be fucked clearly what do you do she clearly needs to be fucked oh well um maybe retreat into the man cave for a week i don't know what else it's i was gonna I say need- refer her to your course for women <laughs> 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 yeah, let me let me help unlock all the layers so she can have the humor. <laughs> That's a very good point. Well, if you're uh, interested in uh, conversing with Professor Sarah, you can send uh, your questions for the Ask Professor Sarah mailbag segment to hello at tantricactivation.com. Hello at tantricactivation.com. Do you guys ever confer because of what you do for a living and just your natural uh, intelligence and, and uh, knowledge about relationships and the human condition. Do you guys ever give each other ad- relationship advice and kind of coach each other? How's that go? <laughs> we, we laugh. <laughs> it's like, who wants to unpack that one? <laughs> we, we don't tend to give each other advice. Um, that was established pretty early on in the relationship that we are um, better, you know, just better serving each other as sounding boards, as um, someone to be to elevate our <laughs> mood <laughs> if it may be down. Uh, but I don't. We don't really do the advice thing. Uh, I remember several times me asking case should i do this and he's like you and your shoulds i'm not going to answer that question <laughs> no i don't <laughs> how often like well, case, and the how- couple and the couple times i might have like because i know she and i have done a lot of the same training and so i can speak to her in a way that i can't speak to some of my other friends because i hold her to a higher standard because I know what she knows and I know when she, if she's on it, like if she, and so like a couple of times I'll call her out and I like, I won't hear from her for a week. <laughs> Bullshit. When's the last time you didn't hear from me for a week? 
It's been a while. It's been a while. I mean, if I don't hear from you in a week, like if you don't hear from me, you're like, who is, are you alive? Who is he? It's like either I'm dead or I'm like up somebody's ass, literally. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, all right. So you don't do that for, uh, for Sarah, but if people call you case and say, should I do this? Should I do that? Or what should I do? Do you have a similar response to them? I do. I mean, one of my good friends, he's like, what should I do? And I'm like, I don't, you know, it's just kind of like my whole, my whole, the, the, the point of my existence is to, you know, get people to trust themselves more, period. Because I grew up under this construct that we are untrustworthy. We're born fundamentally flawed. There's something wrong with us. We have to, you know, consult with Invisible Sky Grandpa uh, in ter- terms of like a decision-making process. And it's like, no, like this whole idea that we're not trustworthy i'm constantly like no you are trustworthy the answers are within like i understand like oh i don't know what i should do like that's kind of just like getting out of that space and you do know what you should do i don't care what it is you're taking on like really really dropping in and doing the work doing the breath work doing the meditation doing the doing the work you know the answer will come up for you like you know what the right thing is to do you know and it's just about overcoming this notion that you know we have to suffer, we have to feel bad, or or any of that stuff. So, I I do have a, a a way of like not answering any shoulds. I will tell someone, well, what I would do, I'll tell them, well, what I would do is dot dot dot. But you know, I I'm not in the business of trying to boss anybody's life. Like, yeah, I but can there, barely there, boss my own. But there's a difference between you know somebody bossing somebody else and somebody seeking out uh, advice and wisdom from a confidant. Uh, I agree with you. I think everybody does know what they should do on the, on the inside. Yeah. The, the problem is we keep repeating these destructive patterns. So, Sarah, do you think it is more important for somebody to avoid a problem that's been ongoing for them? Let's say they have a, a life coach or a significant influencer in their life that they hear their voice, and if and the person who is coaching knows what they should do, they tell them what they should do, and it goes pretty well for the person looking for the advice. Or does that hinder somebody's personal growth? Should they go through the hassle one more time uh, in order to maybe finally learn the lesson? Uh, I mean, I'll say as a coach, when I'm working with guys, I don't often say, like, this is what you should do. I'll rather instead give them guide them through questions, you know, helping them see things from a different perspective, because I don't live in a world of you should do this or you should do that. Like as a tantrika is a non-dualistic path. It's, it is, it's not a path of shoulds and should nots. And so it's more when I'm working with people, it's helping them explore their own desires, uh, you know, and it, times if guys you know keep coming back to me with the same thing over and over i'd be like dude do this fucking thing and don't say another word to me about this until you do this and show me the results that you got <laughs> so <laughs> there, there are times where you know i definitely put on the the hard-ass professor sarah you know that outfit um but for the most part it's like let's go on this journey of exploration together and they figure it out on their own. Yeah, I'm a big uh, guy that, that tell the people what to do. <laughs> I, 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 I I am. I'm a coach. You know, I just I, I I've lived the life and I and I've spent, done the work. And I want to try to have my clients avoid the hassles if they can. They've had enough hassles. 
And it, the, the should is not a moral, moralistic should. It's not like you're a bad person if you don't do this. But there's certain things like there's certain things in jujitsu that you should do if you want to be successful. And if you're a good coach of a, a jujitsu coach, you tell your uh, your students, "Don't do this. Do do this. It'll go better for you." What's wrong with that? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But like my coach uh, the other day, you know, he he was advising me in one way, and I said, "Well, you know, I I've actually seen these results if I do it this way." And he says, "Well, then absolutely, let's go that direction." He's like, "I'm your coach, I'm not your boss." And so looking at it from that perspective as well. Yeah, I think it's just about like educating people on if you do this, then this is the result and like taking the morality out of it. Exactly. And I think I think the phrase should can can carry some morality to it. So it's more, you know, at least for me, like because then it's like, oh, you should or you shouldn't like oh, then there's some judgment attached to it. Like what's going to happen versus if if I do this, then that like and that's in the relationship department, that's in the sex department, that's in the money department, that's in the food department, that's in every department. Everything that we do is going to have a, a, a reaction or a, a result or a consequence. And, you know, it's not it not so much like, OK, just it's just understanding the impact of our actions, our behaviors and and all of it. And if someone's going to I enjoy when when clients come to me and they coach and it's like they've made this investment in the program or they made this investment in themselves. So it really gives a lot of, and I'm sure Sarah can say this as well, gives us a lot of permission as like almost like trainers to be like, look, you invested in this and what do you want? Like, what do you want? Like, do you, do you know what I mean? Sarah, is that, has that been your experience? Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's like show up and do work, dude. Yeah. Like, you are like, you're invested a lot of money You've got your time invested in this and now get in there and do the work. And, you know, that's, but the work that I do with guys really leads them a lot into their own unconscious and subconscious. So right. I don't need to be telling them what to do because they're, it's the coaching that I do isn't advice driven. It is desire driven, like them ex trying them going towards their desires and the way they get there is by clearing the subconscious and unconscious blocks that are sabotaging them from getting the desires that they want in life. So it doesn't do me any good as a coach to be like, do this. And because often if they, if, if I say that and they still have the unconscious blocks, then they're still going to self-sabotage. So I'm not doing my clients a service by telling them what to do. For me, it's more empowering to them to help them clear what it is that's holding them back from actually getting it. Yeah, there's no yeah, doubt. Go ahead, Case. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, no, I think that, like, going back to the spank, when you and I talked about, oh, we need it, you need to put that in your headline, like, why a gay, why a gay man makes me wet, you know, um, is that... <laughs> That why any man can do like what I think is that playful energy and not being so significant around their sexuality, you know, and being playful and dropping all these these things that can sabotage the enjoyment of being a sexual being, mm -hmm. you know, and just expressing their sexuality in a playful, fun way and not like, oh, this is all, you know, all these pieces of the puzzle have to fit together for as long as we both shall live. And, you know, having to look, you know, 30, 30 years down the road of whether or not, 
you know, we're going to have a good time on this day or like, we're just going to have a good time on this day or we're just going to fuck and like life is meant to be pleasurable and fun and let's go have some fun and getting into that fun space. I think that that's what resonates with a lot of women. Um, and you know, I find like a lot of, you know, that's, that's just been my experience as a gay man with women. Now that I'm out, like I find like that women are much more receptive to my playful energy and I'm not even being like, I'm being sexual, but I'm not being like, it's not going to lead to us having actual sex, but it's, it's pleasurable. It's a pleasurable process. And so, you know, I think that's what I really enjoy about the work that you provide for, for the men is like getting them out of their headspace and getting them out of that, you know, self-sabotage. Yeah. We worked on uh, archetypes, not uh, this week and man on fire, but last week and really like letting them explore the different archetypes that they can embody when they're having sex and encourage them to like approach a sexual experience as if they're setting a scene and they're like going into the scene and they're embodying, you know, whatever it is. And a lot for a lot of the guys, like they realized that they needed more of the trickster or the joker archetype in sex they need to lighten up and not always be the sage you know or even the lover like you can have more fun in sex and that's one of the great things that i enjoy helping guys explore is like really just broadening their horizon when it comes to who they show up as in bed over and over because for most people it's very one-dimensional it's like i'm going to show up as the same person doing the same thing over and over and over and sex is really boring and so when you're able to explore all these different dimensions it's fun it's alive the energy is always changing and shifting and it keeps sex a lot more interesting uh there's no doubt that straightish women like gay guys a lot more than they like straight guys. There's no doubt about it. The the you talk about sex in the city. I mean the the the, the gay characters in that situation comedy are very close with the women, and yet there's straight women out there. How do you get straight guys, Sarah, to be less predatory and to to have more trust uh, from the women to to the guys? so that they can have a similar vibe to what you and Case have, perhaps. Oh, yeah. I mean, let me tell you. I'll tell you a story. Here's, here's my oh, story. Oh, 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 yeah, hold on. <laughs> I, I have to do the announcement. And now, it's story time with Sarah. <laughs> God. I'm all right. Like, should I load, load up my sex app for this? or? <laughs> I'm already pretty okay. close. Like I wasn't horny before this conversation, but this whole sex thing, I'm like, <laughs> shit. Like I gotta get my dick sucked after this. Okay, continue. <laughs> so um, I don't really enjoy going to uh, straight bars or straight clubs. I prefer going to gay bars or gay clubs. And uh, last weekend, I was out with um, a woman that I date from time to time and uh we we like met up on friday night we had a great time together and then it was sunday night and <laughs> i actually um had gone on met up with a guy on a date and it was really boring but we met at like 8 p.m 
And I was sitting there and it was like, all right, I've had one drink and I'm thinking, well, I don't want to just go home. I really want to go dancing after this. So I'm like, I've got to sit here for another hour until, um, <laughs> until the clubs open. And so I had another drink and, you know, to, until time went by. And so it was finally 10 o'clock and then I could say goodbye. So said goodbye to him, knowing that I will never see him again. Um, I mean, he was very nice, but there was just no, no connection at all. Um, and so I texted the girl that I really like, and I was like, Hey, meet me at the club and let's go dancing. And she's like, okay. And she was like already like home and in bed and, but she's like, okay, I'll be there in an hour. And so I just went ahead anyway and went to the gay bar and I'm literally in there dancing for an entire hour and not a single guy bothered me at all. I had, you know, some people that were nice, like dancing with me and that thing. But the last time I went to a straight dance club, I was literally like guys groping me all over the place. I'm like shoving them off my girlfriend that I was with. I'm shoving them off of her. I mean, and it was incessant the entire time that we were there. And so it's just a completely different experience. And I feel so much safer, so much more at ease. I'm able just to have fun, enjoy and relax. You know, when I'm in that environment at the gay bar and Plus the music's better and they actually dance and have fun <laughs> instead of just like stand, sit around and drink. Um, but so to your question, Glenn, like what can straight guys do? I mean, it's a, it's this tricky situation that we're in because you have the guys out there that are the predator types, you know, or that have that more predator energy that, you know, really women are turned off from. And then you have the guys that are afraid to be that at all. And so they completely shut down their sexuality because they don't want women to perceive them in that way because they're not that guy. And it's unfortunate because those guys, we, the women actually want to feel some of that sexual energy, you know, because that sexual energy is attractive. You know, you feel it, it's fun. And those guys, I would encourage you to be more playful with women and, you know, just laughing with her more and letting her feel safe with you, letting her feel your sexual energy. And it doesn't have to be like really targeted at her. Like when Case is being sexual with me and we're playing, like I'm just enjoying his playful sexual energy. Like it doesn't have to be targeted at me. Right. And that's, I think the difference. Um, and she, so guys can just let women enjoy that. And then, you know, when the time, if the time is right, like then the energy can be targeted at each other. If there's like mutual attraction and desire there. There was a study recently I saw on uh, some documentary about the groping aspect of women being in public. And they designed um, some cocktail dresses for some attractive women that went into a nightclub situation. And they were able to track how many times each woman was touched just by how the dress was designed. And each woman was touched like over 200 times in a, in a, in a few hours. I mean, can you? Yeah. And, and women are programmed to just to accept that. That's one thing you guys can do, you straight guys. Don't, just don't touch them. 
just <laughs> keep your fucking hands to yourselves. That that's a start. The other great bit of advice, fellas, you, you, you straight guys out there. Uh, we and we have a you know pretty percentage, a high percentage of straight listeners, I would say, given we do Man on Fire and Sex Stallions. But yeah, I'd say we're probably like. Ninety nine point nine, if not 100%, yeah. here's a hundred percent. Here's a if if you are a straight man and want to not be judged the way that generally speaking straight women judge straight guys, go meet women in gay bars. The, the Sarah Roses of the world are in the gay bars. Believe me. And if you have that safe energy and you're not being a jerk. You're going to meet some nice women that way. And they're going to know that you're... And by the way, it's great because when straight guys go to gay clubs a lot of times, the, the straight guys get to feel how the women feel in straight clubs, if you follow my drift there. Because they're being objective. They're being objective. Exactly. Case and I are both sitting here like, no, don't send the straight guys. I know. I'm like, shush, shush, like, shush. No, 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 no. Fix yourselves before ruining my fucking village. But uh, yeah, but <laughs> fix your fucking village. Uh, all right, coming well, in pillaging, pillaging my safety zone. All right, hippie woo woo <laughs> people. There was actually so when I was at the bar waiting for the girl that I was waiting for, there was was a another woman there and she was standing across from a guy who was clearly straight and he wouldn't even look at her he was looking at his phone the entire time and so i went up to her and i was like hey sexy come dance with me clearly he isn't worth your time like he was being such an asshole like not giving her any attention at all like <laughs> so i went and got her and then she and i danced and had a lot of fun and up connecting um, her with a lot of other friends because she was in town visiting and you know we ended up having fun but um no i i think you know there's a reason that um you know the queer bi lesbian gay community you know they have their their space and um they like it to be that way. <laughs> no, of course. So. No, but the, but it, it, uh, a little kidding aside, if a straight guy who's died in the world hetero, if he's willing to go into a gay bar, he's already down the path of doing some work. Because a lot of straight guys just won't even go in being concerned that be, being seen in a gay bar would uh, paint them as being homosexual. So if, so, so if somebody's willing to go in there, that says that they're, you know, they're kind of open to the vibe that is resident in in a, a gay club situation. That's what I think. Yeah, and there's yeah, there's definitely I, there's definitely it's not like this is a new thing. Like straight guys do go to, and I think Sarah can attest to this. I mean, there's not a lot of straight guys, but there are definitely some straight guys or some bisexual guys or you know whatever. And you know, I know joked around before about like, oh, don't come in a pillager. Like the ultimate, the ultimate thing for my, the ultimate vision and my Pollyanna woo-woo fantasy life is that everybody, everybody be themselves and everybody respect themselves and respect others. And in this, this freedom of self-expression, you're just free to be yourself, you're free to, free to express yourself and you respect the boundaries of other people. And so I don't have a magic formula of like, okay, this is how it's going to happen. But I do know that you know, we do have that in the in the gay bars and the LGBT friendly bars is this, you know, there's the drag queens and the, you know, it's just like that we, we hold the space for for people to be themselves. And so I desire that for more straight men, because I see as a gay man, like as a gay man, you know, these, these straight straight men who are, are who 
are attaching the expression of themselves onto this old ideology that says, oh, I can't express that. That's gay. That's bad. Or that's feminine or that's whatever. And so my passion is just to get get men, and this is a lot of Tantra too, is like get them in this like embracing all of who they are. And we have masculine components and we have feminine components. And it's, just, it's all one energy. Even to say like masculine and feminine is just to kind of divide it up in a plurality and that, you know, that can kind of um, inhibit you. But like really just embracing all, all of you. So if you're a straight dude and you haven't gone to a gay bar, you need to go to a gay bar to see how how fun it can be, go do that. And then, you know, go wherever you want with it. But I mean, I don't think that gay bars are going to like be overtaken by the straights. If anything, the gay bars can make the straight bars more fun because it's like when Sarah and I go to a straight bar, we're like, why is no one dancing? Like what, what are all these rules? You know, like in the men are just, as opposed to the gay bar, it's just like everybody dances and people don't give a fuck. So Anyway, that's my soapbox. <laughs> Sorry, I get on a whole tangent. I'm like, just you bring up dancing and men. I'm like, man, y'all just need to let yourself dance for God's sake. Yeah, I mean, I will say, and you've seen this, like when we've been out a couple times, that there have been um, the the straight guys that are the predators that have mm -hmm. that go to that go to the gay bar to prey on women because they know women feel safe there. And so that dynamic does exist. Um, and yeah. it's, it's not the majority of what happens, but I mean, you and I have definitely seen that happen a couple of times. So that's the shit that just isn't cool. Yeah. But no, nobody listening to the Sarah Rose story would ever think to do it for that reason. <laughs> ever. <laughs> God forbid. Especially now that I know jujitsu. Exactly. <laughs> right? All right. So, Case, uh, we started playing a game last week, and we have time to play one card. Uh, this is uh, Aaron Hickox's game that is sweeping the nation uh, called Let's Talk About Sex. Uh, cards for humanity. And each card uh, is colored representing a different chakra, right, Sarah? Yeah, and now that I think about it, my guess would be that Aaron was probably there that night that we met, Case. Wow. Mm. So was <laughs> We'll have to go back we'll have to check in with Aaron about that and see see if she was if see if she was. But my gut is probably about seventy five percent chance she was there. Well, this, mm, okay. well, we have an opportunity to get into one of Aaron's questions. And like I said, there are different colors. This one is uh, an orange color. What chakra would that be, Sarah? Um, so orange. Yeah. Is it yellow? I would say it's. Uh, this is looking pretty orange. Kind of <laughs> orange brownish to me. Brownish? <laughs> It really doesn't make a difference. Just answer the question, goddammit. Uh, okay. All right, so... So, we're probably looking at this, the uh, sacral chakra. Okay. So, the, so the, it's just, there's a blank, and you just go with whatever uh, comes to you. This is a great game to play uh, with your gay or straight friends. And we're doing with both today on the Sarah Rose program. So, uh, the question is, being directed during sex feels blank. Being directed during sex feels blank. Case Erickson. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, why does it feel bad to you? 
Um, just that word directed. I don't know. I, something doesn't resonate with me on that. Like, I feel like I'm probably because I like to be the director. <laughs> There's a shocker. <laughs> Hashtag power top. <laughs> so if, if a guy said to you, case, if you just, if he literally said, suck my cock, that's a direction that would feel bad yeah. to you. That'd feel bad. No, no. I was just saying what first came up for me. That's cool. Um, yeah. No. So no, I don't. I, I appreciate direction for sure. What about you, Sarah? Being directed <laughs> during sex feels. See, when I hear directed uh, in sex together, for me, it. Um, comes up as like a BDSM scene that is being directed. And so for me, that feels safe. Um, that feels like my needs are going to be met. Uh, that feels like, you know, me and my partner are on the same page with things. Um, it feels like this is going to be fun and I'm getting to explore things that I'm wanting to explore right now. Uh, yeah, so for me, I like like it. Um, I like seeing it in that perspective. You've talked quite a bit about the dom-sub uh, dynamic, and I think that that has a lot to do with how somebody would perceive the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's initially what comes up for me. I guess a lot of people would just think of it in terms of conventional sex, which you know, I'm not a fan of, um, <laughs> just like basic boring sex and like, okay, do this, do that kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and from that perspective, I can see how people would have a, a negative opinion of being directed. All right. Now we're going to play a new game at the Sarah Rose story. It is called the newlywed game. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, we know that Sarah and case are, uh, they have a, an unconventional, uh, marriage, but we're going to find out how much <laughs> they actually know about each other in, oh my God. in the newlywed game. Okay, so Case, Sarah's favorite dessert is? Ooh. Favorite dessert? Champagne and strawberries? Sarah? Champagne. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just the champagne. <laughs> Just really champagne is what's really coming up for me, but I thought to add the strawberries to not, you know. <laughs> what, Sarah, what is your favorite dessert? Well, well, close. I mean, I would say like champagne truffles All would right. be my favorite chocolate. Well, mm. it, Bob Eubanks would not give you points for that. No. It, it would be God truffles or strawberries. All right, so Sarah Rose, what is Case Erickson's favorite cheat food? I'm fixated on food here for some reason. <laughs> Favorite cheat food. Yeah, if he's shit. not eating the vegan or the 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 uh, the vegetarian, what's what's his uh, go-to? I'm going with Oreo cookies. Mmm. I have so many. Like I'm just a big food <laughs> cheater. Right, like, but it has to be a direct match on the newlywed game. Oh, was it pizza what, was what I was going to say. All right, pizza. All right. See, that's that's the honesty that we enjoy here on the Sarah Rose Show. And honestly, Case Erickson could not think about a better first guest uh, in this uh, 
budding podcast effort, the Sarah Rose story, than Sarah's gay husband. Uh, thank you so much for doing it. The book is called Coming Out by Going In. Case Erickson all over the Instagram machine. And you can get that book wherever books are sold, I would imagine. Yeah, Amazon right now. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, anything else for, that you'd like to say to your gay husband before we say goodbye to him? Uh, well, I'm sure I'll be um, hearing from you like in the next five seconds. So. <laughs> well, after, after he takes care of himself or somebody needs to take care of him, apparently. And then I'll hear all about it. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. Well, we, like... <laughs> we can't thank you for uh, listening. Oh, we can't thank you more for listening. And uh, please let us hear from you uh, with uh, questions for the professor at hello at tantricactivation.com. And get involved in the programs that are available at the website, The Man on Fire and The Sex Stallion and Pussyology. And uh, ideas for topics that you want to hear, uh, other guests that you might like to hear. So just, uh, it's, it, Sarah, it's, a, uh, it's an interactive uh, effort here on the story. Oh, yeah. We just want to have fun. And that is what we do on the Sarah Rose story. <laughs>